And before I share the word of God, I would like to take the opportunity to share with you uh, the emphasis and the theme of the church for the year 2023 and 2024. Right? Uh, we have been having our previous team. Do you still remember our previous team, 2020 to 2022? What was that? Huh? Can remember or not? Huh? New seasons? New opportunities. Now you forgot it. Never mind. Now we want to go to the new team. <laughs> Our new team for the year is Dare to Believe, right? Dare to Believe. Right? And uh, this is the team that we are going to go on for this year and for next year. It's a team that is uh, going to challenge our faith. Because we know that the world is facing so many uh, problems, our country is facing many difficulties, and now we are trying to, you know, uh, uh, regain back what we have lost, and individually, some of us are facing challenges in life, in our career, in our business, and so on and so forth. And so we want to believe God for miracles, for miracles in our life, and even for miracles for our nation. And for miracle, for so many areas that are concern us, so that's what they to believe. And the team verse is found in Mark chapter nine, verse twenty-three. If you can say Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. I want all of you to read together. You can see it, right? Ready? One, two. If you can say Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Okay. And I trust that you will commit this verse to memory because it's so short. Uh, it's so short, I believe that you can commit it uh, to memory. And really the emphasis of this team, there to believe, there are actually four aspects. There is a doctrinal aspect, there is a spirituality aspect, there is a life application as well as action. So let's take a look at the emphasis that we are going to have. The first emphasis is to affirm believers' faith in the all-powerful God. There's a doctrinal aspect. We want to dare to believe God for who He is. Uh, he is a miracle-working God. Uh, he is a way-maker. That is to affirm our faith in our God. And spiritually, is to help build the faith of believers through biblical teachings and life application. So therefore, you know, we will turn to the Word of God. It's not just motivational that we want to listen to some guru and get our psychic up, but rather our foundation is always the Word of God, and the Word of God is going to build our faith to the level whereby we can believe God. So we want to build ourselves up in our spiritual growth. And thirdly, life application is to challenge believers to trust God in every life situation. So it's not just an easily memorized phrase or memory verse, but we uh, encourage you, you know, to put this, you know, verse into action to trust God in every situation of your life. And of course, finally, to inspire the church to believe God for greater things to be done as a church, there must be certain action plan uh, that will help us to build our faith and also to carry out to do things for God as well. And that's where we want to encourage every ministry in the church to dare to believe God, to set goals, to carry out plans, you know, and we want to challenge the status quo. We do not want to remain where we are, but we want to go to a higher level. Every ministry, every lifestyle, we want to challenge the status quo and we want to dare to believe God for breakthrough, for a better uh, 2023. You believe that? Yes. 
Yes, amen. There to believe. So how are we going to do that? Very quickly, right? And uh, our plans is that, uh, first of all, we just want to uh, start off with devotional because faith is important. Our faith is dependent on the Word of God. And we will be bringing you, you know, sermon series to inspire faith. And for every month of the year, we are going to have a memory verse all on faith. So there are 12 months. We are going to have 12 memory verses throughout the year. Right? And uh, this will be the first one, Mark 9, 23. If you can, Jesus say, all things, everything is possible for the one who believes. So this will be our first memory verse for the month of January and of course throughout the year as well. Right? And we will start off a devotional plan on daring faith, which you know um, we will let you know later in the announcement. And of course, spiritually, uh, there is a Bible reading plan, there is our devotional plan that we want you to build a stronger biblical foundation and also through our SDG classes. Uh, we, will, we will also are going to have a, a course starting in February uh, dealing with, you know, uh, 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 what you call that, handling our unbelief, right? So we want we, that, that is found in your bulletin, you can uh, look into that as well. Engaging unbelief, yeah, that's the one. Life application, to highlight testimony of faith. That's why we want you to give testimony. If the Lord has touched you, the Lord has healed you, the Lord has blessed you, we want you to come and share your testimony with us, your testimony to encourage us. And of course, you know, as a church that is committed to the intentional discipleship making, uh, we are going to launch uh, the last phase of the IDMC focus that is released. That is the one that we are going to launch in the month of February, whereby we will equip you, we will provide, we will equip uh, the church, you know, we will provide more avenues for personal evangelism, you know, and that we want you to uh, work towards a cell multiplication as well. So these are some basic plans that we have. So our next, our devotional plan starting from today is Daring Faith, right? And uh, you can read about it, right? And later on in the announcement as well, and also in the church bulletin. And there are some key events uh, in the church that we are having. Uh, let's take a look at some key events uh, that we are having. Is that that we want to provide evangelism training there to believe, and we are releasing uh, ourselves right, to uh, save the lost. We are going to have a church camp, physical church camp after two years break, and we're going to have a family day, and we are going to have uh, our life care project as well, uh, which we will uh, explain to you from time to time. So what we want you to do is to block some of the date. Okay, our church camp is going to be on 3rd to 5th of June, uh, 2023. Uh, it's over the weekend, and you please block your date. And we are shortening our camp this year uh, because, uh, you know, because of uh, rising costs, uh, we, want to make, we want to make it affordable for everybody. Uh, and uh, we want to encourage as many of you to come as well, all right? So it's over the weekend, public holiday. You don't need to take any leave. So book the date, all right? Okay, and also mark down this date in your calendar. All right, so the IDMC conference will be February 25th. Uh, it's an IDMC conference on release, so uh, book your date. You'll be physical with uh, Pastor Benny Ho here. Our AGM, for those of you who are official members, please don't plan your traveling. We are having an AGM on the 30th of April. Church camp, June 3rd to 5th. August 31st, our family day and our leaders' conference 
uh, please lock in down. These are the key dates. Of course, from time to time, we will have other dates, but I'm not going to you know, uh, give you all the dates that we have for our prayer encounter. We will make announcement, but these are the key dates we want you to at least block it in your calendar. Okay, right? So I trust that you understand our emphasis for the year, what we are trying to do. And uh, I have not shared everything that we have with you, but I believe this is sufficient for us to have an idea of what it means, right? That what we want to do with this team there to believe. So are you ready for the word this morning now? Yeah, yeah for our team words. And I want you to know, all of you need to take notes because this Friday cell, we are going to discuss on this sermon. So you don't take note, you forget about the sermon, right? So we want you to take note and that's why I have... Uh, intentionally prepare more PowerPoint with more points for you so that you can also either take a snapshot and remember it easier for your note-taking as well. Come, let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for a brand new year you have given to us. We are glad that we are found in the house of the Lord. Even as we listen to your word this morning, we pray your Holy Spirit will begin to speak to our heart, challenge our faith, O God, so we will dare to believe you for the difficult thing, for the impossible thing, and we want to believe you even for miracles in the year 2023. So challenge our heart and may your anointing rest upon your people, rest upon the preacher, rest upon the listener. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now come every new year. People normally talk about new hope, new resolution, a new aspiration. And perhaps you are facing or entering this new year with much anticipation, looking for better days to come. But life experience have taught us that unfortunately, oftentimes our hopes, our aspirations are dashed even when we get to the very early part of the year. I still remember there was one uh, New Year, 1st January, you know. Uh, I can't remember when was it, I, when I was still, you know, very, very young, right? I felt very sick on the first day of the New Year and I'm asking myself, what kind of New Year is it? I felt very ill, you know. Uh, and uh, sometimes you don't have a good start. But whatever it is, you know, we, we are going to believe God, right? What hope do you hold for the coming years? Ask yourself. Do you really believe that your hope and your wishes will come true? Do you believe that? If we have daring faith, we will believe, yes, when we put our faith in God, when we put our trust in God, God can certainly step into our life, into our situation, and make our dreams come true. The question is whether we dare to believe God or not. And so with the team there to believe, it's meant to challenge our faith, to push our faith to a higher level. We, want, we don't want to remain status quo. And our team verse, as I say, if you can, say Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes, Mark 9, 23, which will be what I'm preaching on today, based on the passage of Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 29. Right? This will be the passage, but we are not going to read through the passage, but I'm going to just, you know, give you the background of what happened. Right? This is what happened, you know, before uh, uh, a miracle took place. Jesus and the disciples went up to the mount. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration because they had fantastic experience. There on the mountain, you know, and Jesus was transfigured together with two Old Testament prophets, Elijah and Moses. They were so glorious, they were growing, and Jesus was there with his three 
inner circle, the disciple Peter, James and John. And they were so in awe, so much so that Peter said, Hey Lord, let us just build three tents uh, for three of you. Of course, Peter didn't know what he was talking about. And it was even in the Mount Transfiguration, you know, God began to affirm uh, Jesus as the Son of God. And, and Jesus was, you know, glory was being manifested right before the eyes of the disciples. And so they have such a wonderful experience. And Peter thought that we just want to pitch a tent and stay up on the mountain for a long, long time. It's just like when some of us go through the camp, you know, it was like spiritually high. We just want to stay in the camp. We don't want to go back, you know. But we are reality strike. We have to go down. And so, you know, Jesus said, let's go, go back down together with the disciple. So they went back down to the foothill and there reality struck them. Down in the foothill, they saw that there were uh, some commotion. There were people quarreling or arguing between the religious leaders and the remaining disciples of Jesus. The other night, they didn't go up to the mountain. They were there. They were arguing. There was big commotion, you know. And uh, what actually happened? What actually happened, you see? But what happened is that, that there was a boy that was tormented by the evil spirit. He was both mute and dead. And so he's, he also suffered from epilepsy because the, the demons would just throw him, you know, into the water, into the fire. He would be in fits. And so the father was hoping for the boy to be healed as he brought him to Jesus. But since he came along, Jesus was not there. Jesus and the disciple has gone up to the mountain. And so what did the father do? He can only bring it to the remaining of the nine disciples. And the father said, I brought my son to your disciples. Hopefully they can heal him, they can deliver him. But they couldn't do anything. And when Jesus heard about it, and probably there was a reason why the religious leaders and the disciples were arguing, maybe they were arguing the case, you know, maybe the religious leader were chiding the disciple, hey, why you got no power? Why you cannot deliver this point or so on and so forth? Right? So you can imagine the kind of commotion. And so Jesus actually rebuked them. Right? In verse 19, Jesus actually rebuked them, the new faithless generation. And, and then in verse 20, this is where Jesus decided to take action. So let's take a look at verse 20. Right? And in verse 20, Jesus proceeded to do something about the situation. So they brought the boy to Jesus. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Verse 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. Now, I want you to listen carefully to the words of the father to Jesus. He said, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. So here is a helpless father who brought his boy to Jesus and he Ask Jesus, you know, if you can do anything, if Jesus, you can do anything, take pity on us, you know, help us, please deliver my boy. Now, in response to the statement, Jesus challenged the faith of the father. That's where our team must come in. Jesus asked the father in return, if I can, say Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Now you notice that the father was actually having doubt whether Jesus can heal the boy or not. That's why he asked the word, if you can. The key point was that the father wasn't sure 
if Jesus was able to deliver and heal his son. But Jesus instead challenged him to have faith and to be daring enough to believe for the impossible. And if he dared to believe, the son would be healed. If the father dared to believe, the son would be healed because Jesus said, if you dare to believe, everything is possible for the one who believed. Dare to believe simply means having a daring faith. Having a daring faith. That's why the devotional right, by Rick Warren was so good, you know, and uh, I really want all of you, all of you, right, to take this entire month, it's 31 day entire month, to dwell in this devotion. We must dare to believe God for the hard things, for the impossible thing. But how? The question is how, it's always how, right? As human beings, our faith is weak. Sometimes we waver. Sometimes we are not so steady, just like the Father. Uh, but when Jesus challenged him, he said that, if I can, if only you can believe, not that whether I can or not, whether you can believe or not, you can believe everything is possible. And so immediately, the Father realized that, wow, it shocked him. The, the, what Jesus said shocked him. He realized his own weakness. And in verse 24, what did the father say? Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. The father himself recognized the cause of the problem. Unbelief. That was the cause of his problem. Does this sound familiar? Yeah, how many times, you know, and how many of us are able to identify with the Father, right? We said, oh, I am a believer, I believe in the power of Jesus, but a lot of time we also waver, we also have doubt. Uh, therefore, if we want to have daring faith, we need to deal with the unbelief that is in us. We need to deal with the unbelief, right? So to have daring faith, first of all, we need to overcome doubt. We need to overcome doubt. The father's thought was expressed in his questioning of Jesus, if you can. He wasn't sure if Jesus could do it. Maybe because he said, that, well, I brought it to his disciple. His disciple couldn't do anything, but I'm not sure now whether Jesus can or not. Right? So maybe the encounter with the disciple kind of cast some doubt in his mind or in his heart about Jesus. So in other words, he wouldn't put his hope too high. Just like sometimes, we are like that. We pray, but we don't put our hope so high. We hope God will hear, but try not to put our hopes so high in case God don't hear our prayer. Am I right? Sometimes we do that, isn't it? Right? Let's be honest, you know. And after all, the Father said, I have tried the disciples. So you notice that doubt stifles our faith and doubt hinders our growth. It stifles our faith, it hinders our growth. And doubt prevents us from moving forward. And doubt often instills a sense of uncertainty or even fear in us. And so for us to come to Jesus, we must not doubt two things. Two things we must not doubt even to come to Jesus. First of all, we must not doubt of His ability. And secondly, we must not doubt of His willingness. Alright? So first of all, let us not doubt Jesus' ability. So when the Father said to Jesus, right, if you can do anything, He was asking the wrong question. He was asking the wrong question because Jesus always can. He asked if you can. Jesus always can. So he asked the wrong question. Right? Because Jesus is an all-powerful God. He's able to perform signs and wonders. He's able to heal the sick. He's able to raise the dead. 
So when Jesus responded to the Father by using his own word and turning around, if you can, you know, he showed us that the problem was not with himself, but with us. So Jesus was showing the Father that, hey, the problem is not me whether I can or not. The problem is with you whether you can believe or not. And God is asking us the same question. Do you believe? Do you dare to believe that I can do it? All right? So the problem is really us. So the Father's lack of faith actually set limits to God's power. A commentator by the name of John Grasmick, he said this, Faith sets no limits on God's power and submits itself to His will. You see? Faith sets no limits. But when we do not have faith, when we have doubt, doubt sets limits. Unbelief sets limits to God's power. But faith will set no limits on God's power. And it submits itself to God's will. What does it mean? Faith set no limit because Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. However, faith will submit to God's will. In other words, faith is not just simply making our own demand and expect God to give in to our demand. Right? But rather, faith will submit to God's will. We will also surrender it to the Lord. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, it says here that this is the confidence we have in approaching God. 1 John 5, 14 15, all right? Yeah, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, right? He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. So Jesus can do anything and everything, but Jesus would not do the thing which go against the will of the Father. Even Jesus himself submitted to the will of the Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Is it possible? It is possible. But Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. And say, it's not God's will for the cup of suffering to be taken away from Jesus, Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. So therefore, even when we dare to believe God, we must learn to submit to the will of the Father. So we must not limit God in our mind. Unbelief limits God, but faith sets no limit on God. Right? So do not doubt Jesus' ability, and secondly, do not doubt His willingness. Jesus is willing. Right? But there are times we believe Jesus can do the job, but will he do it? Will he do it? There's also the question that the Father asked by implication. There was a count in the Bible in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 42. There was this leper that came to Jesus. Right? And when he came to Jesus, let's take a look at it, of Mark chapter 1, verse 40. To 42, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knee, if you are willing, you can make me clean. No, this guy asked Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Because he wasn't sure whether Jesus was willing to help him or not. And what did Jesus answer? Jesus was indignant. What do you mean if I am willing? Now Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He didn't just say it. But he did it by action. He stretched forth his hand. He began to touch the man. He said, I am willing. Don't think that I'm not willing. I am willing. And he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now, the man wasn't sure. He believed in the ability of Jesus to heal. 
but he wasn't sure if Jesus was willing. He was doubtful of the compassion of God. He was doubtful of the love of God. He was doubtful of the generosity of God. And so Jesus had proved him wrong. And so Jesus was willing. He touched the leper and made him well. You know why? Because many people, in fact most people or all people except Jesus, will not touch a leper. Because leprosy during Jesus' day is contagious and people do not want to even stay near the leper. They will not even want to walk near the leper. But Jesus was touching the leper with his bare hand. Maybe this guy was surprised. But he said, if you're willing, maybe he expects Jesus to just stretch forth his hand and say, be cleansed. Or maybe he just expects Jesus to say the word, be cleansed. But he never expected Jesus will be so daring to use his bare hand to touch him, an infectious leper. But Jesus was willing. That is a compassion of God. That is the love of God. That is the generosity of God upon our life. Can you say an amen to that? Yeah, God is so compassionate. And so after, you know, listening to the response of Jesus, coming back to the story of the father, immediately the father, uh, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my belief and my unbelief. That was what he said. So it was an acknowledgement of weakness and it was a prayer for help. So the father realized that the problem was not with Jesus, but it was with his own unbelief. So without hesitation, immediately he confessed his faith. And at the same time, he realized his faith was limited. He said, I want to believe. Please help me, my unbelief. How many of us are saying the same thing? Lord, I believe. And I pray I believe, but please help me, I, my unbelief, because there's still some doubt lingering at the back of my mind. I, I'm still not very sure. Am I right? I think almost all of us have that doubt. So that prayer of the you know, Father become many of our prayer. So we need to work on our faith level. What doubt do you have this morning in your mind about God? Could it be that you have been praying for something or for a breakthrough for quite a while and yet you have not yet received what you asked for and therefore you begin to waver, a doubt a little bit on God's promises to you? Could it be? Right? And because God said His promises is yea and amen, is it, is it true that every time yea and amen? You see, problem is not with God's promises. There could be a number of reasons why sometimes we have not yet, I say not yet, received what we ask God for. Perhaps it has to do with timing. Perhaps it has to do with the motivation of our heart. Perhaps it has to do with God's will. Maybe God has something else in store for us. Perhaps God wants us to wait a little longer. I believe as you pray, God will show it to you. I don't think God will keep us you know, in the dark. He will reveal it to you what is actually the situation. And, uh, and I, I, I do not want you to feel bad or condemn. Wow, I'm such a person of little faith. You know why even the apostles face the same problem? In Luke chapter 17, verse 5 to verse 6, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Well, these are the apostles. These are the 12 disciples. They've seen Jesus doing miracles. And these are the 12 disciples. With Jesus sent them out two by two and they were able to perform miracles. And yet they asked Jesus, increase our faith. And I'm sure this is also our prayer, increase our faith. And what did Jesus say? Jesus replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. 
So Jesus was very assuring to the disciple. He said, you want me to increase your faith? I don't want you to think of a big mountain faith, but I want you to think of just a faith like a small little mustard seed, very small, but if you have that faith in me, I'm going to do the miraculous. I'm going to uproot a mulberry tree and put it into the sea. And in another situation, Jesus said that I can even remove the mountain if you dare to believe. Alright? So, dare to believe we need to overcome our doubt. And secondly, if we want to be daring enough to believe God, we need to intensify prayer. We need to intensify prayer because the disciples were up obviously very frustrated with themselves. How come they couldn't, you know, set this guy free? They have done it before. You know, how come they couldn't? So they asked Jesus, why we couldn't drive it out? And Jesus explained, he said, this kind, you know, uh, 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 cannot be done except by prayer. He said, you have to intensify your prayer. You have to pray. Maybe at that time, the disciples felt because they had not prayerfully depended on God's power. Apparently, they depended on their past experience. You go back to Mark chapter 6, right? And in verse 7 to verse 13, Jesus sent them out two by two, and they performed miracles. They delivered people that were demon-possessed, and they healed the sick. So probably, they were depending on their past experiences. And at that moment, they did not come close to God. They did not pray, and they did not depend on God. They depended on themselves. So Jesus said, it's by prayer, right? Yeah, you need to do that. Prayer is the catalyst to daring faith. There is a connection between prayer and faith. You notice that prayer raises our faith level. That's why we need to pray. Prayer raises our faith level. When we are faced with a dire situation, when you have tried all that's humanly possible, that all that you need to do, uh, to, to do and you try. What else can you do? He said, I'll pray and I'll submit to God, isn't it? Sometimes there's nothing else we can do. We can only pray and say, I submit to God. And so that's why if raise our prayer level, we want to submit to God. But the thing is, you know, whether we pray enough or not, right? We need to pray persistently, right? In, in raising our prayer, there is this story about the Canaanite woman. She came before Jesus because her daughter was also demon-possessed. He asked Jesus to deliver the daughter, but Jesus did not respond to her. Why? Because she was a Gentile. And Jesus did not respond to her at all right from the beginning. But she persisted until many rounds. So much so, the disciple got annoyed. He said, Jesus sent her away. And Jesus told her, it's not right. Right? For the, master, for the bread that is supposed to be given to the son and toss it to the dog. But the woman said, even then, the dog will eat on the crumb. She was so persistent into praying, you know, into asking that Jesus commended her faith in verse 28. He commended her faith and as a result, her prayer was granted. Her faith caused her to keep praying, persistent prayer. And her prayer was a prayer of faith. She did not give up believing. She dared to believe. She dared to ask. And therefore, her daughter was delivered at that instant. Not only we need to pray persistently, we need to pray in faith. James chapter 1, verse 5 to verse 8. A very familiar passage of scripture. And let's look into that. James chapter 1, verse 5 to 8. The scripture says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God 
who give generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all they do. So in asking, we must believe and not doubt. We must not waver between belief and belief, belief and belief. Sometimes we feel good, we believe. When we feel lousy, you know, we do not believe. No. Regardless of how you feel, our faith must be consistent. Prayer raises our faith and helps us to overcome our doubts. And in fact, the more we pray, the more assured we are of the help of God. So prayer raises our faith. Not only that, prayer of faith is crucial to effective ministry. Not just any praying, but the prayer of faith. Right? Praying with faith is important. Praying, many people pray, but do they really believe in what they pray or not? In Matthew chapter 21, one day Jesus was walking to the temple. He found a fig tree, a lot of leaves. He went there expecting to get some fruit, but there was no fruit. Jesus cursed the fig tree, and the disciples heard him cursed. The next day, when they walked back to the same path and saw the same fig tree that Jesus cursed, the fig tree was completely withered. And the disciples were amazed. Look, Jesus, the tree that you cursed yesterday, what happened today? It's all withered, it's all dried up, you know? And so, seeing this, you know, the disciples were asking Jesus, you know, how did the fig tree wither all at once? You know, it's so impossible. Now, verse 21, Matthew 21, verse 21, this is what Jesus said. And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Jesus did not just say all things you will ask. He said believing. That is a key. We must ask in faith. So here Jesus was again teaching the disciple faith and prayer. Faith and prayer. Verse 22 seems like a blank check. You just ask anything, believing you'll receive, right? It sounds like a, a, a blank check. But of course, as I mentioned before, we must not just take a verse and claim it. We have to look at uh, other uh, contexts as well, whether it's God's will and so on and so forth, right? So Jesus was basically using a figure of speech. Jesus loved to use figure of speech. He often taught in parables, and parables are figure of speech. And in fact, some believe that you know, the removing of mountain is just a proverb, proverbial expression of something that's impossible. But yet, when we dare to believe God, the impossible can take place. So in this case, Jesus was challenging the faith of the disciple. All right? And faith is a soul. Someone say, faith is a soul. Prayer is the body. Both together make a complete man for any service. You want to be a complete person? Faith and prayer, right? Faith is a soul and prayer is a body. In James 5, 13 to 16, he tells us that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Again, it's not just any praying, but praying in faith. Praying and believing that it will be done. So the emphasis is always, you know, on faith. So prayer and faith goes hand in hand to perform the supernatural. 
And to emphasize this truth, James went on to cite the example of Elijah. Look at Elijah, right? Chapter 5, verse 17 and, uh, and 18. Elijah prayed for rain and it took a lot of faith. The Bible tells us this instance found in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah was praying for rain. He went up, you know, to his um, room and he prayed. How many times? Seven times. Persistent prayer. Every time he prayed, he asked the servant, go out and take a look at the sky. Because at the time, it was drought. They have been having drought for years. No rain. And Elijah is praying for rain during drought season. Okay? So he asked his servant to go and take a look. First time, come back, nothing. Second time, come back, nothing. Third time, come back, nothing. A lot of us, uh, after three times, forget about it. Am I right? One, two, three, that's the most. But Elijah was a man of faith, persistent prayer. He kept praying until the seventh time. And the servant say, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. How big can our hand be? As you compare to the sky, you go outside afterward, you pull up your, your palm, you know, and you compare with the sky. You can hardly see. It's so small, so tiny, right? When you look at the sky, a man's hand is so tiny. But with that tiny little sign, Elijah knew that God had heard and answered his prayer. And then he knew rain is coming. Rain is coming. And true enough, the rain came. Elijah dared to believe. He dared to heart. So how is your prayer life going? Do you persistently pray? Do you pray in faith? And I trust that this will encourage us to keep our prayer life going in order to raise our faith to the next level. And finally, to have daring faith, we need to expect the miraculous. We need to expect the miraculous because Jesus said that if only you dare to believe, all things are possible to the one who believes. When we dare to ask, we must expect the miraculous to take place. Expect it. The law of faith is bigger than the law of nature. A lot of time we look at the law of nature and we believe in the law of nature. We think that we cannot go against the law of nature, but faith can even rise above that. Miracles norm often defy the law of nature. Faith will also defy the law of nature. When we dare to believe, our faith is not dependent on the natural, like the parting of the Red Sea. Like Joshua commanding the sun to stop in mid-air. Like Peter stepping out and walk on the water. All this defy the law of nature. You can never experience, explain it in a scientific way because it is supernatural. So we will receive what we expect in faith. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 8, 43 to 48, about this woman that was struck with the issue of blood. And then she wanted to get close to Jesus so that Jesus can pray over her and touch her. But Jesus was so busy walking and people were crowding around. She couldn't even have a tiny little bit of chance to get in front of Jesus. So she could only squeeze her way through and in her mind, miraculous, not even touching Jesus physically, only his garment. And he believed that Jesus' power is so great that his power will flow out of his body onto 
his clothing. And with that act of faith, she stretched forth her hand and she touched Jesus' garment and instantly she was healed. And Jesus himself said what? He felt the power flowing out of him. That was the level of her faith. And that was what I call exceptional, audacious faith. Faith that is so extraordinary. And after that, to cut the whole story short, when Jesus found out that it was her, actually Jesus knew. Lah. Jesus don't have to find out, Jesus knew. Jesus just want her to, you know, right, confess it herself. Okay? Right, to own up, that's all. And Jesus looked at her and told her what? He said, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So when we dare to believe, we see the impossible come into being. And not only that, when we dare to believe, uh, when we dare to expect the miraculous, we will see the glory of God. What do you mean we'll see the glory of God? In John chapter 11, verse 38 to verse 40, Lazarus was dead. Jesus delayed in coming, and by the time he came right, to the place where you know, the sisters were staying, you know, Mary and Martha, and Jesus was there for four days. Jesus asked them, took me to the, take me to the place where Lazarus was buried. They took him to the place, and it was four days. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha objected. He said, Lord, he has been there for four days. Now there will be a foul smell. Don't, don't do that. And this is what Jesus told Martha, right? Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? John chapter 11, verse 40. Did I not tell you if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And Jesus was actually stretching a faith. Jesus wants her faith to go beyond the natural. Yes, Lazarus, maybe four days, if you only believe, you'll see God's glory. And we know what Jesus means, right? That Jesus deliberately delayed in coming so that Lazarus will really be fully, completely dead. Then Jesus can perform the miraculous of the miraculous so that God can be glorified, so that Jesus can be glorified, so that everyone that was eyewitnesses of the miraculous sign will be able to see and experience the glory of God. And that was exactly what happened. And Jesus challenged Martha's faith. Right? So in believing, we will see Jesus for who He really is. He's really the divine Son of God. He's really the miracle-working God. Right? And we will see that Jesus is glorified. Each time a miracle takes place, Jesus is glorified. And that's why I tell you, do not hold back God's glory. When God does something for you, when He hears and answers your prayer, don't be stingy in giving testimony. When God heals you and touches you, don't be stingy in giving God's glory. Because when you give God the glory, not only your faith level will rise again, but you are also helping everyone that listen to the testimony to rise, their faith to rise. We are helping others to grow in faith as well. Dare to believe.